This is Hard Beautiful Journey, a safe space to be open and honest, to speak truth and harness the power of vulnerability and sharing. Unravel the strength of connecting through conversation, from mental health, trauma and addictions, to grief and spirituality. This is the podcast to use your voice, because when you use your voice, you ignite your soul. I am your host, Tiffany Vaughn. Join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, welcome to Hard Beautiful Journey. I gotta tell you, it feels so good to be back podcasting and talking with people, including the guests that I have for today's episode. The fact that I get to sit down and have these conversations with people from different parts of the world. I mean, come on, it is so cool. Today's guest is Preston Zeller, and I am really excited for you to meet him and hear his story. As a creative person, I was immediately interested in learning more about his story. And what I found out about his story makes me think that there was some higher power out there that wanted us to meet. Our stories of loss and grief are very similar. And we are both wanting to do something meaningful with our grief by helping others. Here is my interview with Preston. Hello, Preston. How are you doing today? Hey, Tiffany. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for uh, having me on to chat with you. I am super, super excited to talk to you. Like I said, offline, I haven't done an interview since mid-July. So it's been a while. (laughs) And uh, over the weekend, this one actually came together quite quickly. Uh (laughs) Normally, it takes a bit to get these interviews lined up. And but I don't know, something happened. And on Instagram, (laughs) I saw that you followed me. And I went to your account. And I think it was about a minute, not even a minute. I was like, (laughs) okay, I need to have this person on my podcast. Because First of all, the description in your bio, I help families in grief commemorate their loved ones using ashes in an original abstract painting. Well, (laughs) (laughs) as many people know, my brother just passed away Mm -hmm. two and a half months ago. I have his ashes. They're just on my shelf behind me. And so I started looking at your stuff and I was going through your account and I'm like, what the heck? is this (laughs) and i see there's a documentary which the we'll get into that so tons of good stuff so i reached out to you and i said i know this is short notice but i really want you on my podcast and here we are and i am so so grateful so i think where we could start off actually is the similarity between you and i our journey Mm -hmm. and what what has happened in your grief journey? Yeah, you know, it's it's sibling loss is a really, of course, uh, crappy club to be in. I mean, any kind of losses, but and I'll I'll talk a little bit more to that too because we we do share that sibling loss bit. I mean, so February 2019, my brother passes away suddenly, and. I didn't really understand how to, I guess, take the grief side of it, especially once that happened. But I think like most people, I found myself kind of um, doing web searches for 
specifically sibling grief. And what I found interesting about sibling grief is, uh, especially if the person is married, people will empathize with the parents and the spouse in this like outweighed amount versus the sibling. In fact, sibling grief and sibling loss is has been written about quite a bit as something that's overlooked. And there's a number of really strange reasons for that being the case, but I certainly found it was. I had a lot of cousins. Most of them are reaching out to my mom, which, you know, it's not to discount her loss, but it was, especially when you're early on like that, you're, you just feel like, selfish about mm-hmm. everything and mm-hmm. especially that loss you're like why why does nobody think that I'm not reeling just as bad or maybe worse and from this person who is so integral in like who I am we you know growing up and and, and shaping each other so that's anyways I just want I thought that would be a little more relevant for our discussions that was really kind of what led me down uh, the path that I've I've had been the past few years? Absolutely, and I I can definitely resonate with that. I, as I just said, I went through it two and a half months ago, and absolutely, there's hundreds of people reaching out to the parents, which absolutely, <laughs> that is a deep loss. But yeah, it's your brother or it's your sister, and. And my brother and I were very close growing up mm. and it was, it's a huge loss an absolutely huge loss. And one that I, I, yeah, I thought it, I might navigate it at some point based on, you know, the drug addiction and stuff, but you never, never really think it's going to happen until mm. it does. And then it's like, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. So how, how did this 365 project start? Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was an artist before my brother passed and I just, I think naturally turned to painting. I've done a lot of different like art forms that I was, I was painting uh, a lot, a lot at the time. And I turned to, you know, doing, I, I, I love doing bigger canvases. That's uh, kind of where my, my jam is. And so I was, I was doing these and kind of the first, I think seven, seven or eight, something like that paintings I did were really like a personal, like my, my family, it was kind of the aftermath of my brother dying. But I realized that these were kind of like showpieces in a way. They weren't really helping me work through the grief and in, in the, the rapid iteration that I felt like I needed to. And so after about like six months of just, you know, time passing and thinking that's going to do something. And then also realizing that I I really would love to engage in in painting to process this more, but on this like rapid iteration framework, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set something that's really intentionally like this long project that I can't just like bail out of 30 days into it. It's going to be long and it's going to be because I, I just knew the, the grief's not going to go away. And, it, you know, of course it never really does, but early on wanting to just understand as much as I could about myself and, and that process, I set out this, this really long thing <laughs> <laughs> that was like uncomfortable, you know, and I, and I'm impatient and I've learned a lot of patience along the way. It, there was some element of it too, that was knowing that like, you know, my family's kind of sharing in this grief with me. And this is the way that I feel like I can process it and like share it with them at the same time. <clears throat> so that was uh, kind of a, a part of it too. 
So just because I've had the opportunity to watch the documentary, which we'll talk about, but these paintings are eight by 10. Is that right? Yeah. Eight by 10 each. Yeah. So for 365 days in a row, you painted an eight by 10 painting. And then what did you do? Yeah. So at the end of this time, and there was a, uh, there was a little bit of a, um, break after the first like 30 days, I think, because I had to move down to Texas. But yeah, otherwise it was pretty uh, consistent. The goal, uh, you know, in the back of my mind was always to take all these and turn them into one larger image that was like, that for me represented what it meant like to move through grief. So I remember early on, I was like doing, you know, the, the, the math on, you know, what, how big <laughs> does this kind of thing make? And I'm like, oh, this is in in the dimensions I'm thinking of, or the ratio, it's it's a 10 feet by 20 feet. So I was like, I don't know where I'm going to put something like this. I'm going to need to find like a warehouse or, you know, I'm not this known quantity where someone's like, yeah, we would love to have this in a, <laughs> in a museum or something. So yeah, we had to figure out how we were going to put it together, but we did. So, okay. Did you buy your house based on this? <laughs> <laughs> painting because that wall is perfect for it yeah yeah it's kind of crazy how that worked out so I originally I, I think oh man I want to say so, sometime maybe halfway through it I said to my wife I'm like oh this wall would actually make a really good place for this <laughs> and she just kind of laughed at me you know like yeah. uh, no there's no way we're hanging I had already had you know other pieces around the house she's like there's no way we're putting this gargantuan piece in the house i'm like yeah no you know it's just a good, <laughs> cool idea right yeah <laughs> and then sure enough as i got to the end of actually doing all the paintings i realized i'm like i look i don't want to wait around to to hang this thing any longer than i have to mm -hmm. so i kind of convinced my wife i was just like hey we're gonna turn this into a film set <laughs> And we're gonna we're gonna hang this thing here and she's just like okay fine <laughs> you know but oh she my didn't gosh. yeah I don't think uh, most of us realized the undertaking that was gonna be even just putting it together um, I just knew in the back of my mind I'm like this is this has already been a lot of work it's gonna be a lot more work so mm -hmm. yeah. okay so as you're painting them this was my question watching this documentary did you like intentionally paint some so that they would line up with the next one that you were going to put beside it or was that all just random yeah so and and this is something for people who watch the documentary later on like i don't i don't get into a lot of the nuance of actually putting it, the Im final image together just because it was sort of extraneous to the the story but to answer your question, no, I did not paint them <laughs> with that in mind. I actually uh, originally did, I think I did about four different ones in the computer. So I had to bring all the, the, the files into like a scaled down version on Illustrator. Mm -hmm. And I had just drag them around. I, and I'm like, okay, you know, it was a little bit of experimenting with what image is going to pop out of it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of trippy though. The first one I did, there is this like face of what looked like an ostrich mm -hmm. in 
the in the whole mosaic and i i sat back and looked at it i'm like i an ostrich like what what does that mean <laughs> where'd that the, come from <laughs> what's the significance there well ostriches can have uh, a variety of meanings in depending on what culture you go to but one of them is death and rebirth and so I was just like kind of blown away. That, that was is incredible. Yeah, this random image that came out. I I didn't go with that because I did I I did not want to look at it and feel like there's an ostrich. <laughs> so, but that was kind of the first one that that did, and that was interesting. So you took a picture of each of the paintings and then put them in Illustrator to kind of make the the overall look. And that's how you numbered? Yeah, well, you know, they I numbered them, you know, by each day they were. And so that was sort of their, like, their ID tag, if you will. It was day, you know, one or two or whatever. And then, yeah, and then I just popped them on Illustrator and was, like, kind of, it didn't, I, I didn't really care what day they were. I just was like, okay, how do these sync up? Because, you know, the whole point was to make a you know, image, a separate image out of all those 365 that felt like to me what it means to move through grief. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's kind of heat mapped out when you, when you see it. Yeah. So what were the various emotions that you felt while you were doing it? Did you at one point say, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Or did you want to do it every day? I think there were certain days where I certainly felt energized by doing it and certain days where it just felt draining, you know, just depending on, I think, where I was at personally, mentally. I mean, you know, you you do have like life's circumstances kind of going on around you for sure. But I every time I sat down to paint, it was at least, you know, with that intent of like, okay, you know, I'm hoping something comes out here that's, you know, grief related. And I mean, you know, we, we, I say we, I mean, this is <laughs> me, me with uh, all the files and stuff. One of the things I did to try to understand that, to understand that question of like the emotional roller coaster that it is. Cause I, I didn't take the, this diary every day of like, okay, and here's how I'm feeling. I sort of knew for me looking at the painting, here's how I was feeling. But I, so I took the, all the images and there's a, a program for like image spectroscopy mm-hmm. where if I, you know, I want to analyze a picture I take under a microscope of cells. It's called image J kind of rudimentary program, but it, there's something in there that'll t- take out like the median values for hue, contrast and brightness. Mm-hmm. And then it'll chart those. And what's really neat is you can then create different kinds of animated graphs of how those chart together. And there's a little, there's a couple clips of it in the documentary that are like really brief as we're talking about, I think, color theory. But the the whole point in that is I was able to see on this sort of time map of it, it was, it varied sometimes greatly depending on the day of mm-hmm. the kinds of colors I was using and whatnot. And I think that was pretty accurate with certain days. You're just like, you feel great and other days you don't. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, absolutely. I found that really interesting. The color theory part for sure. The last one, the last painting, you want to talk about that one? Yeah. So I had, 
had this thought to use my brother's ashes. I didn't have them the whole time I was doing this project. I would kind of finally sort of rush ordered them from my mom who, who had all of them. Mm-hmm. And that day was particularly odd because I, I was so, I was just mentally drained that day anyways, in like the, a very uncharacteristic way. But um, yeah, it was the only painting I, I believe where I, I sort of preconceived what I wanted to do. You know, the mm-hmm. rest of them were very uh, spontaneous, but I said, okay, you know, I want to, I want to do his eye. His eye was like this common theme in a lot of art, artistic stuff I did. I mean, you know, especially like someone who, who deals with addiction, like you can look at their eyes and know right away, be like, mm-hmm. are you on anything? They'll be like, no. And you look at their eyes and you're like, yeah, you are. You That's know. the first thing you look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like this constant, constant theme for me. And it just felt, I don't know, appropriate to put ashes in how I remembered his eye. Mm-hmm. And it was a very apropos way to me to just cap off all those paintings and, mm-hmm. you know, have, uh, I, I don't think I really processed once I finished it, but, mm-hmm. you know, Danielle and I kind of cried together and mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but yeah. Yeah. And so now you are helping other people do that. And can you walk me through that process? Like you get somebody's ashes. What's your process around that? Yeah. So, yeah. So that kicked off this idea of doing it for other people. And that's been really rewarding because, you know, oftentimes I've found that even if people might have a desire to paint something for, uh, you know, their loved one, it's just, it's really hard you know, you're too, you're too into that, that person's life and the emotions. And it, it, so what I, what I'll do is I'll meet with somebody and we'll go through like essentially, you know, what's your memory of this person, you know, good, bad, and ugly. It's, it's really just up to how you want to remember them. I certainly don't want to try to steer anyone one way or the other, but, and we'll talk about, you know, is this, is this a personal memory of, of this person or is it like collective, you know, are you taking into account how mom and dad and and the girlfriend and, you know, acquaintances felt and, you know, or is it just one-on-one, you know, Mm -hmm. this is how I remembered like, you know, the one I did to my brother is pretty much a one-on-one, but I just did one and it was for uh, someone who lost their, um, their, his, his wife to sickness. So he wanted it to be like, how the kids remembered him and whatnot, but we'll actually go. So we'll go through all those kind of like memory exercises and then we'll look at, you know, previous, and this is the good thing about having the the year of course and other paintings, but I'll kind of select certain ones that have very different tech techniques and it's people will gravitate towards certain looks, you know, mm-hmm. what, how they, how it strikes them in terms of, personally but how it might reflect the person they're thinking about and and so we'll kind of assemble all these things together to create a shared vision and then I'll I'll go and you know essentially create the painting and do you know a progress check in or two but yeah and deliver that to the final piece to somebody but it's you know I I think the one thing I'll say too in the in the process when I I talk with someone about like what's different about doing a um, this commemorative painting 
versus a lot of other things is, you know, if, when you get ashes, it's, it's generally, most people have it sit in a box and Mm -hmm. it's just there for sometimes decades. You don't Mm -hmm. even know, you know, you don't even know what to do with it. So it's kind of, it's not really changing it into this form that you can appreciate. You know, you can go scatter ashes and that's good. I think scattering ashes in many ways is, it's oftentimes a last, this last will that Mm -hmm. someone has for themselves. I want to, I want to be scattered here wherever, Mm -hmm. but that's like a moment in time. Mm -hmm. And you don't need all the ashes to do Mm -hmm. something like that. And then, you know, if, if someone's buried somewhere maybe, or they have a tombstone, that's usually a very fixed geographic location. Yeah. And so what if you don't live by that? Yeah. What if you, what if you move? Mm -hmm. So, and, and then, you know, why it's abstract too. Um, you can, let's say, and someone asked me this recently, they wanted like a portrait done, but not in, I don't do portraits. And the reason why is because, um, a, a literal image of someone or something or some place is, is static in time versus the way I, I do it with the abstract. It's should be something that grows with you as your grief changes. You kind of look at it differently and you know that inside that painting, it's, there's the remains of someone you love. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. I love that. And the ones that you uh, have on your Instagram are absolutely beautiful and such an interesting way of keeping those ashes out and seeing them all the time. And, Oh, I love it. I love it. So let's talk about the documentary. We've talked a little bit about it. Yeah. After I watched it, I, yeah, I, I'm rarely speechless. (laughs) Okay. I talk (laughs) a lot. And I was just like, what did I just see? That is (laughs) unbelievable. So you might not know this, but I've done a documentary and I obsessed with the process of doing documentaries. How did you and when did you come up with the idea that you wanted to make this film? Yeah. First of all, thank you for watching it. And it's it, it was something I actually came up with at the same time of doing the Europe painting. Just because I knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, this is going to be a trippy process to go through. I have a background in film, by the way. You know, that's what I went to college for. And I worked in that industry and whatnot. So it wasn't like a totally obscure thing to me to think about putting together Mm -hmm. any anything in the film world. I I just I'm like, this this could be it would it fell right in line with the whole part of sharing it, sharing all the paintings that I did do, but then also like the paintings being that thing to open up conversation and just get people to talk more. Um, I didn't know what really shape or form it would come in. I, when I originally, so I hired a, a story producer and we, we worked for a couple months on, you know, what this could be. And then we, we came up with this series and then the series was going to start, you know, costing some a crazy amount of money and, and all this stuff. And so it ballooned really quickly. And then, you know, I kind of sat back and I'm like, okay, well, I could do something that is accessible now and we'll kind of just, we'll figure it out. Or I could wait potentially years trying to raise money and convince investors and all this kind of stuff. 
And would it really matter? Would people care that something was maybe some really high production value, you know, higher than what it is in its current state or something like that? I'm like, I don't think people will. I think, you know, people are going to, if they're going to relate to it, they'll relate to it in, you know, a half a million dollar state and a $20,000 state. It's just Mm -hmm. not going to make that big of a difference. So that was sort of, you know, where we, how we got to, to doing it in the way that we did. And then it, you know, evolved to just many times we, we had to show a lot of different people and just see, okay, what's missing, what's not that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's missing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It is. Oh my God. So it's Carl, it's called the art of grieving and yeah, I, I cannot wait for people to see this. Where can they see it right now? If they wanted to. Yeah. So this month, and what I need to put this at like a screening area on the website, but this month it, it'll be screening online through the Santa Monica Film Festival. So there'll be, if you go to theartofgrievingfilm.com, you'll, you'll see more about that. And then otherwise we, I mean, we, we're entered into like 35 film festivals. So I mean, I think we've only heard back from like maybe 12 of those. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot like through this year, we are working on distribution and where that show up. So it could be on you know Netflix or it could be on something, you know, a lot more obscure than that. Mm-hmm. But that's where, that's kind of where it's at. So we're in, we're in this like hurry up and wait mode right now. What is the underlying message of this documentary? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that we wanted to get out there. One is I didn't want people to watch this and feel like just depressed at the Mm -hmm. end of it. I wanted them to feel like they like sort of empowered and that they can do something about their grief. And the real overarching goal is to get people to talk about grief more, to see this and go, oh, this is this. I haven't experienced this before. I haven't seen someone do something creative out of grief or, you know, that kind of thing. And then also proliferate the use of, you know, solutions like art therapy or just even personal creative therapy in their grief that you're not limited to necessarily talk therapy or or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of therapy out there, but Mm -hmm. the I think the creative visual arts are something we want to proliferate as well. Absolutely. And uh, so for myself, definitely I've had an idea of writing a book in my mind for, I don't even know how many years, a long time. And I thought, no, I'm just going to start a podcast. It's way easier just to talk (laughs) than to (laughs) write all this out. So that's why I started the podcast. But this book just won't leave my brain. So after my brother died, I think it was the same sort of idea that you went through. I was like, no, it's time to write the book. Mm -hmm. It's time to write the book. And because there's, he's a big part of the book. And so whatever type of therapy you're doing art therapy, I'm doing a writing type therapy. I think any way that you can find your way through the grief is what you should do. And like you said, talk about it. Mm -hmm. And why do you think grief is so, I don't know, not taboo, but just nobody wants to talk about it. Why do you think that is? Yeah. So, you know, it's... (laughs) I think there's a couple of things. One is, you know, societally, we, especially in like Western culture, right? 
we glorify overworking, we glorify burnout, you know, things like this. It's becoming, I think, less of a, a thing, especially in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. you know, realizing what's important, but we just haven't normalized like difficult emotional conversations, you know, somehow that's seen as weakness or it's seen as, you know, you're not operating fully as you should. And I mean, in air quotes, as you should. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all these expectations. So we, so we just don't talk about it. Even, and I keep going back to this, like bereavement policies in companies, you know, you're given maybe two, three days to go like process this loss. So, you know, if you lose somebody and you don't come to work the next day, you could lose your job. Like mm-hmm. no, no questions asked. And so by virtue of that, we just don't process any mm-hmm. of this stuff. And then yeah. because we don't, then people are not equipped to have these conversations. So yeah, I think there's a lot more that can be done. And I think in the more people that talked about it, the more it would normalize these kinds of conversations versus I think, you know, all the other things that we do get up caught up talking about and, and, I will say social media is definitely a part of that, right? Superficial lifestyles and, you know, trying to put up this image for how we're living that we're really not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's, like I said in the last episode, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm okay with being raw, real, vulnerable. And because if I can show somebody that it's okay to be that, it's okay to Mm. do that, then maybe more people will be fine with snot crying in front of somebody when Mm. their brother died, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, like your brother died. It's okay to shed some tears or your mom died. Like let's be real people, right? This is a, a strong relationship that you've had all of your life and it's not just going to go away immediately. So it's normal to grieve and it's normal to have crap days and it's normal to have good days. And that's something that I struggled with in the first couple of weeks, even is if I laughed, I'd be like, Oh no, why am I laughing? (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing. I should be sad, you know, but it's, that's part of grieving is you're going to have those ups and downs. And, and if somebody sees you laughing to just not assume that everything's okay already. Right. And to, to, you know, give people that space to have the goods and the bads. Yeah, that's, that's a, a great point. And I, I, I got to ask, cause I, I'm going to make, I'm going to make another just point in a, in a moment, but did, did your brother use like pharmaceuticals? He used that and yeah, he, his was fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, mine definitely uh fentanyl as well. And so I had this realization, I think after I even, did the documentary where I, I, I realized that like, I'm talking about, you know, his, like our story and his story and whatnot in the, in the documentary, uh, which by the way, talking about his drug use, which is like a really controversial thing for some people in my family to put out there. But I realized that I'm like, I'm, ma- I'm making this, you know, documentary about my grief talking about his story, but it's really talking about his grief as well, because you're like, that's, a lot of the reason why people use is because they mm-hmm. have grief about these things. And 
it's not addressed properly. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, my brother is in the military. He's going to these VA clinics and whatnot. And his grief is really that he's, you know, he's coming out of the military. He has, you know, these pains, there's PTSD and all this kind of stuff. And so those are these forms of grief. And by the way, here's a bunch of stuff to medicate it. So you're mm-hmm. actually, you know, he's never getting this chance to process his own grief. He's just being told, here's a bunch of drugs to like shove it down. Mm -hmm. and we're in this vicious cycle of that. And I, I, I definitely, I'm not a fan of the pharmaceutical industry. I think it's corrupt to its core. And I, I, I think they're kind of just perpetuating this, this cycle of grief that we, we keep getting into. And until these things are normalized, they're talking about it and getting, you know, help. Like these are the things people should be doing. Not all the, you know, prescription stuff that keeps going around. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And mental health, like, thank goodness it's starting to be talked about more. And yeah. absolutely, that is critical. Trauma, same thing. And I think the one that's on the list that needs to be talked about more is the addictions and grief, like the grief part. Even my brother had three kids, and now he, mm. those three kids are left without their dad. And now they're mm. going through their own their own cycles. Right. So there's a lot of talking that needs to happen and a lot of support. And so I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing and this documentary that's highlighting that it's so important. And I absolutely recommend everybody to watch this documentary. It's absolutely phenomenal. So what is next for you in your journey? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in terms of, you know, grief, I've found that just helping other people has, that's where it's at, you know, helping relieve some of that suffering. And so I'm doing that through doing these paintings for other people. And then also, I mean, the documentary is, you know, it's not even really out yet. So I just, I want to stand that up as much as possible and just continue to kind of spread that word. And that's sort of my voice in all of this. And to what degree I can, you know, lift mm-hmm. up other kind of voices as well. But certainly, I think being in this space and helping proliferate these conversations is going to be where I'll be for probably the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think some of us are put on this path to do this work, right? And mm-hmm. you definitely are one of them. And I know that I am one of them as well. Mm-hmm. So the film again is at the art of grieving film.com. Is that right? Yeah. The art of grieving film.com. And then on social, it's the art of grieving doc. So, okay. So where can my audience find you in all of the places? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the best way to interact with me is on Instagram, just at Preston Zeller. And yeah, if you find me there, um, send me a message and like I did. With you. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Never know what'll come from it. <laughs> Never know. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been unbelievable and unbelievable timing. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I'm just so grateful for your time today. And what are you grateful for today? I always ask my guests what they're grateful for. So. You know, I wrote that down actually today. I said, (laughs) I'm going to find it because I want to make sure I say it right. Because I actually wrote people enjoying the documentary because I was was reflecting on our conversation. Mm -hmm. 
I just got new school materials for my kids because uh, we homeschool. And then Yahuwah, who's just, that's just the Hebrew name of God. But yeah, grateful for God in my life. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs> Excellent. Well, you have a good rest of your day. And yeah, thank you again so much for your time. Cool. Thank you very much, Tiffany. I appreciate you. I can't wait for people to see this documentary that Preston and his creative team have produced. If you are walking through the grief journey, which, let's be real, so many of us are, then this film will resonate with you. I love that Preston is wanting to use his journey to help others know that it's okay to talk about your grief and heal in your own way. His way is through art. Mine is through podcasting and writing a book. For others, it may be gardening, making crafts, cooking, or talking. The grief process is so personal and everyone finds their own way through it, but it doesn't have to be in a silo and something that's not talked about. Yeah, I get it. Many people have a hard time seeing someone start crying or sad, but there will be lots of times when there are funny stories that could make someone laugh when they talk about their loved one. Smiling and laughing Now that is what heals a grieving heart. A dear friend of mine who has gone through his own difficult loss said this, and I think it is so true. Grief is obviously different for everyone, and everyone seems to handle it a bit differently as well. But laugh when it hits you, speak of lost ones when it hits you, encourage others to do the same. It helps keep them alive, and honestly, it will help you and everyone you are supporting. If you are ready to talk about your own hard, beautiful journey, I would love to talk to you. Please visit my podcast website at hardbeautifuljourney.com, fill out the online form, and I'll be in contact with you. If you know someone who would be interested in the content that I am sharing, please share with them and follow me on all social channels at Hard Beautiful Journey and Ms. Tiff Vaughn. And if you like this episode, I would be so, so grateful for a review. They are what help podcasts be heard by more people. Until next time, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.